Does anyone so... have any tape? I gotta oh. fix this bird. <laughs> but make sure it's like bird tape. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to use any bad tape. They'll hurt the bird. <laughs> so it has to be bird compatible. Compatible. Slam. Living in a hell of zone creation. <laughs> I, I need to go to a pet store to get bird tape. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> When we last left the crew of the Uhuru, they had brought back to Wolf's Tooth an unbelievable amount of loot. We had a parade? Some of it was negotiated beforehand that would be definitely your crew's property. But the bulk of everything, the bulk of the supplies and whatnot, were supposed to go to Wolf's Tooth itself, being your partner in the endeavor, providing repairs for your ship and safe harbor and all that. The issue is, you didn't really come away with a lot of regular supplies. There wasn't a lot of food and salt and spices that you stole from that ship. What you did steal is something that's even more valuable. A ton of Feather weave. And the Wolf's Tooth crew revealed, or Sonia revealed, that she has scissors that will allow you to cut the feather weave. So this town has the ability to divide things up, but they also want a 60% share. <clears throat> the 40%, if you were to walk away with 40%, that would still be enough to keep your ship going for a long time. Mm -hmm. But if you were to walk away with more, you'd be able to do an unimaginable number of things with it. That's just so much of this valuable material. However, the Wolf's Tooth people did sort of threaten that you wouldn't be able to leave unless they took the 60% share, which is when Travis proposed the idea of gambling over it. You are about to sit down to a private Illimat table, betting exclusively over the share of this feather weave that you've pulled away. If you win you're going to get 60% share of the feather weave. Travis, where are you right now? It is right before the game. What are you doing to like psych yourself up? What's your pregame ritual? I'm at the bar. <clears throat> <clears throat> what is this picture of you at the bar? What do you look like? So I have a, I have a quick question. Yes. I, I feel like Travis needs to drink a lot more than a normal person to get any sort of buzz on. That's interesting. I don't think that's the case. You don't? Okay. Because um, I think with you, one thing that we discovered sort of recently is that Travis gets a new body at the age that he is every time he transforms. So I think you operate like a normal person. Mm. It's just there are no long-term injuries or gotcha. anything that's going to okay. affect Gotcha, you. gotcha, yeah. gotcha. 
then never mind. Uh, yeah, so he's at the bar. Also, what time is it? Well, what time did you get back? You got back like, like early morning, yeah. midday. Oh, midday. Um, okay. So there's no chance of this turning like tonight anytime soon. I well, I, I oh boy, that's right. No, no, this is gonna happen during the okay. day. This is gonna happen during the day before sunset, and that's something that Travis probably mm-hmm. requested or negotiated for. What do you think Travis's signature drink is? Oh, something difficult. <laughs> oh, it's extremely difficult. Yes. I guess we could just come up with a name and then figure it out later. Yeah, I think I think come up with a name because that will give me a lot of flexibility as I try to invent this cocktail with you. <sighs> but it's probably going to be something that is dark liquor base. I was uh, makes sense, I like like a rum or something. You could go with gin because gin is going to be easy to distill. Both gin and rum are easy to distill. Anything whiskey based like that just takes a long time. So unless you're drinking straight moonshine. Is there a way to make a drink that sort of it's kind of done and then right before it's served, you add a thing that changes the color of it? That is easier to do with clear drinks okay. uh, than it is with with brown drinks, but we can try that. Okay. So what, what colors do you want involved in this? I don't know. Um, but so it's something we're adding a shot to something, yeah, essentially. So that it's it looks like one thing. You add the shot and then it like changes the color. What flavors do you think are involved in this? Is it fruity? I don't is think it it's spicy. Fruity. I think it's like woody. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oaky. Okay. Yeah. This tastes like a barrel. Yeah. I, I, I like smoky. The, and I like the idea of maybe there being some spice involved yeah. in it in some way. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's a darker thing. So yeah. What's the name of this one? The changeling is a little on the nose, I think. Yeah. Is this something that you've been drinking for pretty much the entirety of your adult changeling life yeah. or is it something that you've only recently <laughs> discovered it's like oh this is my thing i think it is a very old cocktail yeah. that is sort of out of fashion which is oh, why it's sure. difficult for people to make because they don't really make it anymore mm-hmm. but it's then something... maybe it's like kind of a seafaring drink or like Ooh. something that's associated with the sea because then no one associates themselves with the sea anymore. yeah oh yeah and you definitely would have come from an era where people would be ordering maritime themed drinks instead of sky themed drinks a crow's nest no crow's nest uh, uh the anchor Ooh, the tempest so the maelstrom Ooh, the maelstrom. The maelstrom. Is very, yeah, oh, yeah, I like that. The maelstrom is something in this world too. So yeah, you you order a maelstrom, and it's one of those things that like you know that you can get it here because you've been to Wolf's Tooth before, and like you recognize it. And it's probably one of those drinks that every bartender is taught how to make or 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 knows about how to make, but no one ever orders mm-hmm. because it's just it's just too much. I think there's like a a ritual to drinking it. You know how there's like the with um like a shot of tequila. There's like the salt and the lime and there's like a, a ritual i think there's kind of a ritual with this too even if it's just like they give you the drink and the shot and you do it yourself like sort of like i a like sake the bomb. idea i like the idea that you you have you get the drink in the shot you have to drop the drink into the shot that changes the color and then very similar to tequila instead of salt you have some sort of like spice blend <sighs> that you have to do so like Ooh. You lick like the spices a, and then you take the drink. Very good. Oh man, I can't wait to taste a maelstrom. Ooh. Or it could be uh, like we used to do. Um, oh uh, yeah. Oh, what, London, the London Fog, yeah. where you just have snuff. Here, you Ugh. do a shot of Jameson, then huff up a little bit snuff. Well, mm. I don't think we're going to encourage that in our audience oh, yeah. at all. Mm. I do want the Maelstrom to be something that people can actually drink if what? they want. <laughs> I've never heard of that. It uh, was like a rite of passage at, at, at comedy sports. Yeah. Really? That's it's crazy. awful. I but, bet. Yeah. He's just kind of like not nursing it, but like taking his time savoring it. 
Yeah. I think there, there's an older person working at the bar. Mm-hmm. And like when you order a Maelstrom, they, there's just a moment where they go, I haven't had a person order a Maelstrom in years. This is the same bar that we were at before. Yeah. Travis says, uh, hmm. You don't say. And then he kind of looks over to the wall where uh, there was the carvings. Yeah. The and he like gives you a strange look and then thinks nothing more of it. It's a huge celebration thing. Mm-hmm. Like there there are people partying all over the place. The people who are really into Illimat in the crew, like there everybody plays, but there mm-hmm. there are definitely groups of people that play harder than everybody else and typically gamble, if not over wealth that actually comes onto the ship. <laughs> uh they'll gamble favors and jobs on the ship uh between each other. So like there's a huge celebration of people that are off, you know, making merry with the the people of Wolf's Tooth and just like celebrating the huge windfall everybody had and the Illimat people, especially because there's going to be a game that is going to determine this split are all talking strategy and talking about this game in a corner and looking over at Travis because Travis is notorious on the ship for being the best at this game. He has a consistent winning streak. He doesn't play all the time for money or anything but when he wants something he gets it by playing he'll play many many casual games he'll do a lot of different reads with people as far as luminaries go but when he wants something he gets it through Illimat. so there there are people going like this is a different type of game there he's he's not as good at this version or you know sonia's a real shark player and, and she built up this empire and won it through cards like okay. there are rumors flying back and forth there i want to know where gable and jonnet are in this mess i think we're close to him i mm-hmm. think we're like i know he's trying to be by himself but we're uh part of a conspiracy at this point and like all of our winnings are pretty hard won so i'm personally very nervous oh yeah about this uh john it right now he's still got kind of like uh a little triggered from getting drunk at this bar mm. a little bit ago so he's like staying away from any kind of liquor at one point he like tries to look around to see if the 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 uh, girl bar- bartender is working but she doesn't have this shift so he's kind of like a little bummed out but he's like oh, I, I hope she remembers me um and then- oh i guarantee she remembers <laughs> <laughs> very pointedly you told her to everybody is like celebrating and talking cards but like John is like trying to like find out if there's anything like that he can order for breakfast because he's kind of hungry. Um, and he's like trying to just keep eyes on Travis. So hmm. how you f- how, how you f- how you feeling? Everything Never been okay. better. How about you? No, you just made some very interesting decisions lately, and we want to know how to support you and this lifestyle that you've chosen. But basically, I want to know how you think you're gonna win. Oh, well, okay. But no, tell us. You're so calm. Well, I'm going to play Illimat and win. What do you What do you mean? How am I going to? I win? don't know. You, you you sit. You play this game all the time. Are you Are you sitting on like a a special strategy? What are you hoping for? I'm not hoping for anything much. Really, what, I'm hoping like, to have a good time. What, then what? Why? We could have gotten away with forty percent. Oh yes, but wouldn't you much rather leave with sixty? I suppose. But worst case, we leave with forty. I think you and I both know that's not the worst case. I've seen how your uh, games, let's say the stakes, can raise very quickly. You have no idea. I think I do. Do you? I think so. 
Do I? John, I I don't. You guys are older than me. Uh, I think I do. I'm pretty sure I do. It's just I feel like if if you're so confident, you got to have a fool up your sleeve, right? No, I I don't cheat. Silence hangs in the air when you say that because mm-hmm. he does insist that he does not cheat, but he wins very, very often. And the very skilled players, even though they've played against him, they know he is a player of immeasurable skill. When they lose, sometimes they get salty and there is grumbling about cheating. So I don't know what Gable and Jonnet believe. If you believe him or don't believe him, eh, we might want to know what that is. You win so much, Travis. It's like, how? And it's like, you know... How? Is it so hard to believe that the luminaries are just on my side? I mean, yes. Yeah, (laughs) a little bit. Because normally it's a game of chance. And how the card's being drawn. And, you know, there's strategy involved. But you pull out hands like, you know, you were sitting on them from when the the cards were dealt from the beginning. It's more of a question. And we're not going to morally judge you. But if there's any way we can support certain strategies that you may or may not utilize that may be something that we should do i think the best way you can both support me is to calm to relax okay and have a drink what are you having a mouse drink what's oh. it taste like you couldn't handle it <laughs> john john it nods once and it's like yeah you're probably right yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean i'll have one excellent i think the bartender shortly after a few Maybe more contemplative minutes for Travis and uh, more tense minutes for Gable and Jonnet. The bartender comes over with uh, the four glasses that are involved in the maelstroms and a plate with like two lines of spice on it. Mm -hmm. You drop in your drinks, clink, do your spices and then take a drink. What do they say instead of cheers? (sighs) I feel like there's got to be some cool piratey thing they say. Take flight. Yeah. Yeah. There's clink and you taste the maelstrom and Gable for you. It is a mix of spices and scents that, that bring you back to memories that stretch so, so far back and so Mm. far beyond time. Like, I think this is one of the first alcoholic drinks that you had as a mortal creature. Mm -hmm. So like there's a moment where you are in that, and then the spell is broken by uh, Sonia's men calling that the game is about to start. And tables clear away. There's a large ring of people as a wooden illimat in four pieces is placed almost ceremonially in the middle of a table. Uh, the mat is laid out in quadrants. Uh, then a wooden box is placed down to take the place of what we know as a cardboard illimat. Spit sees Jonnet looking over. Ah, have you ever seen a race game of Illimat before? No. Uh, this seems pretty intense. This is a bit different than the game that you probably played growing up, for sure. How uh, so, Spit? And is it sexual? Could be, could be. <laughs> uh, he says, patting you and, like, rolling his eyes a little bit. <laughs> This one uh, works a bit quicker than a regular Illimat. In a regular Illimat, you play a long, lengthy game, and it's all about points. 
But in this one, rather than picking up as many cards as you possibly can, you only want to pick up specific cards, enough to clear a field. The first player to clear the field takes home everything. Spit, do you have any other expository information you'd like to reveal before the game begins? I don't know what else the audience needs to keep track of. Uh, audience? Uh, in, in <laughs> <laughs> there are like uh, a bunch of people gathered yeah, around. Yeah, but you were speaking directly to me, Spit. <laughs> Gable looks around and notices that Dref is asleep in a corner because he's been so stressed out recently. And he finally realized that there's been a, a break in momentum and the captain's fine so he's asleep in a corner mm-hmm. so gable goes and picks him up <laughs> yeah wow <and laughs> picks him up brings him close kind of like holds him like a ventriloquist dummy totally <laughs> rocks him back and forth <laughs> so for the game they bring out the deck and one member of each crew mm-hmm. shuffles half of the deck and they cut it together who have you selected to be your shuffler <sighs> I mean, I think I'd pick Gable, actually. Mm-hmm. It'd be cool if you could do Ormar, though. Do you think we could? Yeah, that makes sense because you've already established a romantic connection between you two. Yeah, okay. It's Ormar. Mm-hmm. So, JPC's not here. Yeah, JPC's not here. Uh, How are you going to roll for it, though? No, I'm not going to roll for anything, Oh, Liz. Oh, dear. Oh, my God. Where have we're we, going, we don't need rolls. Have we revealed our Ocuses yet? Did we do that in the last one? Uh, so you've revealed what the Ocuses are uh, to each other, but they have not been placed on the Illimat, and your hands will be given to you after you've placed your Ocuses on the Illimat. The Echo. I think, actually, this is one that I haven't written rules for yet, so we're going to instead draw... Casey, cut this. Also, Casey, how are you? I am fine. The Perfect <laughs> Crime. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Nothing lets on that this is not the Oromar that you once knew. And this is something that I, I don't think anybody... Does anybody here have divine magic? Oh, yeah. It would be Gable. Very much so. Gable, you, I like that you are currently holding the sleeping form of Dref. Like uh, a baby. Like a big, fat baby. Mm-hmm. That's what Dref is. It's a child. A baby. <laughs> And I think you have grilled him extensively Mm -hmm. on necromancy. It's something that he will talk about at length because he doesn't get the opportunity to talk about it often. But you had certain moral imperatives that you're trying to sort through as you deal with the whole issue of necromancy generally. So you had him explain it to you very, very carefully. I think what I'm actually doing, like I'm propping him up Mm -hmm. next to me Mm -hmm. because it's like... He just sort of needs to be there. And I think he fell asleep at an inopportune moment that we just sort of need him to be there. Yeah. So you, you, like he explained to you about the strain of the different types of commands that are issued to him and like what they put on the caster and how like he is imposing his will through this vessel and there are pre-programmed actions that he can come up with but he has to really like work a long time to make those work so there's a pang of nervousness that hits you when you realize that Dref is passed out asleep right now and or Oromar has to shuffle this deck of cards. Mm -hmm. And then Oromar takes the floor. He 
steps out of the crowd, looking over people, exuding that regal grace that Oromar has always exuded, alive and dead. Um, he spreads his arms out to the crowd and a massive cheer erupts in the room. He doesn't look around at people. You notice it because you know what's going on with Oromar. You know what happened to him. And you can see that his eyes don't appear to focus on any one individual thing. But to people around him, it looks as though he's peering about the room, drinking in the crowd as the successful conquering captain who managed with only a handful of people to take down the civility. The legend of Oromar Vale is alive and well. He steps confidently onto the floor with that swagger that Dref worked so hard to recreate for weeks and weeks as he worked over this body. He swipes up his half of the deck of cards and holds them up to the room and then works a shuffle. And in this, he is making eye contact with you, Travis. And you, for the most part, have been drinking in the theatricality. You don't know that Dref is unconscious right now. And for the first time in a very long time, when you were in the room with it, the corpse of Oromar Vale makes eye contact with you. And you feel the weight of that eye contact. It bores down on you. There's a moment that feels like the moment when you touched that angel feather not too long ago, where it seemed like the rest of the world winked out, and you saw and felt those eyes on you. And now you feel the pressure of these two eyes looking at you, momentarily, like the prey animal that lives inside you. You feel the presence of a predator as it sizes you up. He finishes the shuffle, and the spell is broken as he places the cards down on the table and looks away and returns to the more calculated automatic movements that you'd come to expect from a walking corpse. Gable, you saw that unfold, mm -hmm. and you look down to the sleeping draft next to you, and that's something that you'll have to trifle with at a later date. One of Sonia's big beefy boys slaps nice. down their own half of the deck and the two are cut together. Then four luminaries are dealt to the edge of each map and Spit leans down to Jonnet. Now, in a normal game, the first player gets dealt three cards. Spin, and is this you... just to me? This is just to you. I can't hear you in the back. Please exercise this way. Traditional hands in Illimac get played with four cards, but as this game is all about speed, each player is going to start with three, even though only one is going to get the advantage of the unsoiled Illimac. Hmm. 
So three cards are dealt out to each player and they sit in front of you. Before you are allowed to touch your cards, you have your Ocus in your hand. The person calling this match, making sure that there is no cheating, watching both opponents, stands over the match and goes, As it stands, this match is taking place to decide the stake in the job concerning the civility. An overwhelming number of yards of feather weave is to be divided between the crew of the Uhuru who risked their lives and the town of Wolfstooth. And with that, the crowd, of course, howls. (laughs) Who provided safe harbor and repair services for a ship that desperately needed them. We've come to each other as siblings. We have entered into this venture together, and now we must determine who is owed the greater share. The Uhuru has selected Travis to represent them. And at this moment, you would place your Ocus on the box. And representing Wolfstooth will be Sonia. You know the stakes. The first player to clear a field and claim an Ocus shall gain the 60% share for their party. The losing party promises to part with no hard feeling. You look at each other, you've agreed to these odds, and you're allowed to pick up your cards. Can I ask a quick rules question? Yes. How do we draw more cards? You are going to play a card from your hand. I will play a card from my hand. Then if this were a gambling game, before we draw up to four cards, we would be allowed to place additional bets. So... Right now, you have the unspoiled Illimat just pick up the whole thing in one go, or you might not. Also, this is oriented towards neither player. Uh, Usually, when you play Illimat, the starting orientation depends on who dealt, because no one is dealing, because this is a game that is neutral. It will face either east or west away from the opponents, uh, and that's usually negotiated. So you can tell me, Johnny, I think I can even allow you to have won this negotiation. Do you want the Illimat to be facing east or west? East. Okay. Do you want one of us to like save what the cards are when you put them down so you don't have to worry about it? Or do you want to Now, John, it? as you can see, he's putting <laughs> down. A... We've got these four luminaries here. I feel like we have to figure out who's who gets to go first because that could be a huge advantage in this type of play. So I think we each pick a luminary to flip over. Sure. And that will somehow determine who goes first. James has drawn the loom. And Johnny has drawn the drought. Drought. The drought. The drought. I feel like the loom wins over the I feel like the loom wins over the drought indeed. But the drought is more powerful than the loom. Sonia studies the field. Sonia takes... Very accurate to how you actually play Illumat. It's like, no, uh, well... mm." Sonia realizes she's never played Illumat. She (laughs) apologizes and we get 60% of the feather weave. It was a big mistake. Sonia takes a card from her hand, the Five of Spring, and she lays it down in the autumn field on top of a Fool of Summer, stockpiling it to six. She places her cards down and looks to Travis. 
the luminaries that we do have out there, which I think revealing them does put them into effect. Drought is uh, in play. Players cannot harvest cards in the summer field. So over over here, cards cannot be harvested. When the loom is in play, once during your turn, you may stockpile a card from your hand into the fields containing the loom. You may do this at any point in your turn, either before or after your play. Mm. And this ignores season restrictions concerning stockpiling. So right now, you wouldn't be able to stockpile, but you technically have two moves right now if you want. And you can only like harvest once per turn, correct? Yes. You can only do an action once per turn. Right now we get an extra stockpile because the loom is in play. Travis will harvest uh, the cards that you just stockpiled. Oh, so the, shoot. The five and the six. Or All the right. five and the one. Well, making six. Using six. Mm-hmm. So you, you, when you do that, you take a six from your hand and you place them into a separate score pile. Gotcha. So that goes into your score pile. So now we're both at two cards. There, We're down one card in the fields. So now the announcer goes, now would be an appropriate time to make any raises or change the bets at all. Sonia is silent. Are both parties content to hold at the current odds? Yes. Sonia nods. Then two new cards are dealt. Afraid that he was going to go even like wager more. For I a was second. also afraid of that, okay. and it's do good we, that he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> do we trust Travis? I'm not sure. Okay, just making sure we're on the same page. Mm. What does that maelstrom taste like? Have you ever like burnt a fire mm-hmm. and then thrown dirt into it? Yeah, to, to put out the fire. And then you ate that dirt. Ah, you lost me. Mm. Okay. I've eaten dirt, though. (laughs) When does the box get rotated? The box gets rotated when face cards are played. Okay, cool. Thank you. Once again, this is... Now the Illimat will rotate once you play a face card. You gotta tell me when you start talking to me, man. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were... I thought you left. (laughs) Illimat, a game for enemies. Sonia uses the Looms ability in the Springfield to stockpile threes into a six and then lock in the value of that six and for her other play she is going to stockpile in the winter field placing a four on top of a two to also make six when you stockpile you have to have that card in your hand when so you have to have a six in your hand yes i I needed a six in to do this Mm -hmm. and that uh one other question could i for instance stockpile a 10 onto this 12 to make it a 22 so that it could not be harvested you cannot go because you need the card in your hand in order to collect it gotcha the highest card you can have is a 14 okay okay i'll remind you that this fool is one so that's pretty flexible Mm -hmm. stockpiling there so even though Sonia has the ability yeah. to <laughs> pick up that six that she put down there, she's leaving it in the stockpile because she doesn't want to pick it up so Travis could come along with a 13 and just grab the whole field. You can also sew, and sewing isn't as much of a loser-nothing move in this version of the game. Mm-hmm. Travis sews an 11 into the field that Sonia just played on. Once again, we've come to the end of the round. The judge offers the opportunity for opponents to raise stakes if they would like to raise stakes. No. Sonia pauses for a moment, looking at her hand before also deciding to decline. What do you mean you've never eaten dirt? It's very good for you. Well, I, I never found myself in a position where I was either curious about the taste of dirt or bullied to the point of being forced to taste dirt. Well, if you ever have an iron deficiency, Wait, it's always Johnny, do you very, have a 10? very useful. Just like loose dirt? No. Any okay. old dirt? Yeah, any dirt. Why? 
I mean, you would ask I a feel like the nutritional qualities oh, of no, like, just dirt could vary so Nobody's much. hearing your dirt That's conversation because <laughs> Johnny and I were also talking. Sonia has placed the Four of Autumn down upon the Fool of Autumn in the Summer Field, locking in its value as five. Yeah, Travis collects a seven from summer. No, I can't. No, you can't. Oh, that's right. Travis sows a seven in winter. Any raises? None. None. Sonia stockpiles into the autumn field, placing a nine on a two, making it 11. Travis sows a two onto this five in summer, making it a seven. Ooh. No raises? None. Sonia uses her six to collect her pile of sixes. So, so you can only stockpile with the loom, not sewing. Oh, so you? Oh, you sew? Then, oh, sorry, I, I didn't realize you okay. just sewed. Okay, you sew and you sew, locking that field into winter. Opponents once again decline to raise the stakes, and they draw. Casey, keep all this in. It's all good stuff, Casey. Sonia collects an eleven from the new spring field. Travis uses a seven to collect his seven. Oh, and clear the field! <laughs> Sonia slaps her cards down on the table. There are mournful howls and shouts and cries. <laughs> Quickly drown them out. Those chants of hooroo rise in the room, eventually overtaking the disappointment of people in Wolf's Tooth. Travis throws his hand down on the box, which causes the Ocasus to, like, sort of bounce up into the air. Oh, yes. And he snatches his and uh, puts it in his pocket. that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. And uh, Sonia grabs hers and places it in her pocket. I was funny. If I won, I was going to make you pay for my drinks. And seen as how you did, I feel it's only fair that I pay for yours. That won't be necessary, Sonia. Please, this one's on me. She smiles at that <laughs> and nods. Fair enough. I'm not dumb enough to pass up a free drink. She stands up and shouts, 60% to Uhuru as agreed upon. And celebrations follow quickly. There are a lot of congratulations that come from the Illimat Sharks that were over in the corner discussing strategies earlier. There are not so many grumblings and mumblings that come from uh, people who feel shorted, as you might have expected. As the evening progresses, I, I want to know, how, how does Gable deal with the information that they've just gotten? Both Liz and Gable don't know what happened. Oh, with, so are uh, we to captain? assume? Mm -hmm. Are we to assume that the captain's been possessed, or acting on his own? Acting on his own, you, or Dref has 
gone in too deep. There are a lot of things that you could assume coming out of this that you just don't know. You you know some things about necromancy. You know how the basic mechanics work because you're trying to make yourself okay with it. Mm -hmm. But this goes so far beyond anything that Dref has described Dref very well could have taught the captain how to dramatically shuffle a deck of cards. Mm -hmm. It's possible anything could have happened in the number of months that he was shut up alone in his medical wing or in the captain's quarters. Mm -hmm. He does spend so much time with that body. Yeah. I mm. think what Gable does, as soon as the game is over, they get up. I assume that we have a room in the inn. Yes. Yes. Um, you, were, you were given that suite earlier. So as to make it seem like Dref is just drunk or something instead of just instead of wasted, get him up and take him quickly up to the bedroom and lay him down in the bed. And then they quickly go back down and get Ormar as well under the guise of, oh, he's exhausted from being so fantastic all the time. And Gable brings them both up, puts Dref into bed and then puts Ormar into a chair, a rocking chair, yeah, and then just sits in the corner and watches both. I think you place Oromar into that rocking chair, and then you turn to look at it. And there's a moment where you see Dref, you know, heavily, deeply asleep. Clearly, they have overexerted themselves in all of the work that they were doing with Oromar and coming in like very badly hurt from, mm -hmm. from their adventure and excursion onto the civility. And I think perhaps there's a noise or a knock or, or a crash maybe that you hear mm -hmm. that turns your attention away from the two of them. And when you turn back, you see Oromar in that rocking chair, slowly moving back and forth. <laughs> Staring at nothing in the room with that dead-eyed stare that he's always had. That lets you know nothing is going on in there. Gable stands up and then sits at the bottom of Dref's bed and looks at him and says to themselves, We're in way too deep. And we'll cut away from there. Travis, what is it like when you take a friggin' victory lap? Uh, lots of loud, excessive drinking, buying drinks for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, because honestly, getting around for everyone in the bar is small peeled potatoes compared to what <laughs> what we've just won. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and also, I think that as the revelry continues, like in the distance, uh, I hear like like bells ringing that sort of mark whatever. It's it's about to be sundown. Okay. So the bells uh -oh. are ringing, and I sort of got carried away, and uh, I realize that it, I need to like get upstairs fast, or I'm about to show everyone that I'm a puppy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are uh, you a puppy though? Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, it could still be summer. We 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 did not draw for the seasons mm -hmm. right now. Well, everyone, uh, thank you so much for your good cheer. And I hope that I passed a little bit of luck on to you. And may the luminaries uh, be on your side. But I, alas, must retire. Two wins in such a short amount of time uh, <laughs> truly makes one 
drowsy. <laughs> the sun sets quickly and quick, <laughs> faster and faster. Some of the people look around and like wonder what is going on. And then there's a quiet realization. It's, oh, Oromar is not here. I get it now. Uh, oh, no. As uh, Travis moves up the stairs to go to the room, there is a lot of alcohol flying back and forth. Uh, money and credit are changing hands in games of Illimat, and there is music in the tavern. Pe- people are singing together, and uh, the crew of the Uhuru is spread out throughout the tavern with glasses full, though a few are gathered around a particular table as they are ordering more food and more drink to be brought in to celebrate their great fortune a uh i guess like a burly man who <laughs> let's say he's he's part of the crew of the uhuru mm-hmm. his right arm is like really ripped mm-hmm. his left arm not so much he's been flying with the uhuru for a while and like wh- there was like an encounter a while back where uh they were boarded there was a fight on the uhuru and like he was like stabbed in his arm and Ooh. it never like like he's it's 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 strong but it never got back he never got the control over it that he does that he used to his name is well wait pico that's a that's new grounds pike pico pico i think that is new that's new okay no 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 uh uh uh, let's just go with pippin Pippin. (laughs) Uh, and he's talking to someone else who has one very strong arm and one very weak arm uh he's (laughs) he's wearing like a long shirt Mm-hmm. And um, like very long, like a very long shirt mm-hmm. and um, like capri pants underneath. Okay. So when you say long shirt, you mean long sleeves? No, I mean like a, like a tall tee. Okay. <laughs> like a nightgown? Yeah, I mean basically, yes, like a nightgown. <laughs> okay, great, great. And he's, he's also got one very yeah, strong, just strong arm. But his left arm is very strong and his right arm mm. is, is very is not so, as strong. You see, we got some M. Night Shama fans uh, <laughs> in this room. Um, it was truly impressive. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> it was amazing. I, uh, we're, we're, going to, we're going to come out of this very rich men. And we would have to begin with, but look at us now. <laughs> you know, he talked a big game, but I never really believed him too good. Uh, he's a he's a he's a bit of a, a, a kind of a jerk sometimes, but sometimes I I feel like he can very come very much come through for all of us. Uh, uh, a shot of rum for 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 my friend. Oh, and a shot of rum for my friend. No, well then we should pay for our own drinks then. <laughs> Where's the fun in that? We'll each pay for each other's drinks then. We'll link our arms and do the shot around our linked arms. You know, a couple shot. Yes, uh, I feel like uh, our barracks is uh, uh, very very separated in the in the Uhuru. Uh, what was your name again? Jerry. Jerry. Just Jerry. All right, Jerry. <laughs> What's well, your name? My name is Pippin. Call me Pip or Pe. <laughs> All right, Peck. All right, <laughs> and you know that's not all that Travis did today. He he was also he was aboard the ship with uh, me and everyone else. He was fighting. He got all the cargo in the first place. Him and Johnnet. Well, those two are shaping up to be quite the the newcomers. Probably the two best people on this whole ship. I would have to agree, yes. <laughs> now, we don't want to go overboard, certainly. Well, uh, no, because there's all that scary water down mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. Did someone say overboard? <laughs> <laughs> what does this person look like? So... <laughs> 
This is a man who uh, chooses to drape himself in like clothes that are also made of netting. He <laughs> has a, a pierced ear, and in that ear is a big dangly like anchor. Um, his name is Overboard. Uh, <laughs> Overboard um, is uh, kind of old, kind of cantankerous, but it, he's got kind of like a Captain Hook fear of the uh, the water um, because he knows that there's something down there that's calling him uh, to return to what he calls his home. Why was Captain Hook... Alligators don't live in seawater. Crocodile. Oh. Yeah. yeah, it's not crocodiles with this guy. I, I, that was maybe a, uh, a misnomer on the Captain <laughs> Hook thing. Uh, but yeah, there, he's got a very complicated relationship with the sea. Is there a sea life in the netting? I feel like there's like a starfish or something. Yeah. I mean, it would make sense if there were. Uh, but I mean, it, yes, there should be. But there's not only because he doesn't actually go near the sure. sea. You know, uh, it's just he's kind of like chosen to style his clothing this way. Not so much like there's like shrimp and stuff in there. <laughs> Uh, Yes, we said overboard, overboard. I was taking a nap, I was. I I said it more as a figure of speech and a metaphor, but I can see how it might have confused some of the more intoxicated members of the crew. All I'm saying is... Who are you calling a moron? (laughs) I would be justified if I wasn't doing it before. I'm doing it now for sure. You're lucky I like you, spit. Yeah, you do, and it's sexual. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say that I have been incredibly impressed with Travis, says Wasp, who is at the table. Wasp, where has she been? Cooking. Yeah. Yep. Cooking. Cooking. Counting food. I don't know. Counting whatever. Food. Whatever chefs do One aboard ships. Bean blue bean. A salad. <laughs> Two salads. He handled himself quite well in that negotiation. We have to face facts. The captain has been off his game, and this is the first time he's taken Travis with him, and two successful negotiations in a row. Well, why we kill the captain? Oh, what, oh, that what are you saying? No, we kill the captain, please. No, we no, sometimes. Please. No, stop trying to mutiny. Please. No, I right? don't know why you're so interested in mutiny as just, as an option. You it's suggest just, it every time, no matter what. I just think that it's a good way to change the guard. My name's Mickey. I'm very small, and I'm one of the other three very small people. <laughs> Mickey. <laughs> We we have we have we never played in the middle. The Uhuru is made up of like the most jacked, huge, hulkish motherfuckers, and then the tiniest, truly like children. It's it's also people that are like age twenty one and age eighty five. Like there's no old people or young. It's just like. My name's Mickey, and there are three other people like me who have just the same voice, but we're different people, so we can be in any scene we wanted to, really. We should mutiny, please! Mickey, I'm saying this for your own good. If the captain hears that, you're going to be drawn and courted or worse. I know! That's what I'm going for! Yeah, you could be thrown into the sea. Oh, I'd, I'd rather not do that, but being drawn and courted means it would stretch out my limbs so I could be bigger! But trust me, Vale has very little patience. We don't know what happened back on that island, but, you know... Calivar ain't with the ship anymore. And yeah. He, Calivar was a lot of things, and ambitious was one of them. And if those ambitions started to stretch farther than Oromar's arms, well, 
He'll pull you right back. And we've all seen how long his arms are. They're very long. Mm. Well, uh, how about we just make Travis the new captain? No one. That's we're not, also a we don't need a new captain. Why not? Look, you, see, you can say what you want about the hard luck that we've had, and it's been bad. But Oromar led that attack. We all know that. And and Oromar hired all of those people who took down the civility. We're part of the ship that took down the civility. Uh, this is, they'll sing songs about us. <laughs> Yeah, they certainly will. I, I don't know what, what it was like where when the captain was fighting, uh, but uh, over on deck, it was a pretty grim scene. We, we barely made out of, that out of life, and the captain came, and he was fine. Dref looked a little worse for wear, but he kind of always looks that way when anything happens. He's a pretty creepy guy. He's kind of got a creepy vibe. We should, ta- creepy. we should tell him. Not he's now. definitely the creepiest one on the ship. I agree, and I think Oh, easily. <laughs> if we let him know, maybe he'll stop being so creepy. Maybe he'll wash his jacket for once. He might take it as a compliment. I'll wash we his care jacket. About him. I'll do it. And I'll... No, you'll get sick from the fumes of the cleaning fluids. That's true. That's how all my five <laughs> other brothers died. <laughs> I feel bad for Dref. He's always, you know, held up in those corners quarters of his. He doesn't get a lot of time to mix with the crew. I think a little gentle ribbing will help him feel comfortable and at ease with everybody else on the ship. So it's settled. We will all uh, gently rib Dref and uh, to show him that he's an uh, an accepted and welcome member of the crew. I agree. Maybe four to six meetings from now, <laughs> we'll give him a good ribbon. Yeah, we, I think we all need to work on our zingers for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, I have a question. Why Doesn't anyone feel it's strange that the captain has uh, begun hanging out with Gable and... Travis. I didn't know he had a little sick French boy on his <laughs> ship. I'm a very well French adolescent, thank you. <laughs> and, and I have woman. this entire bag of his bestest just as my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and he will do no harm to me. <laughs> I, I would say that, yes, that was strange if uh, we hadn't gone through this experience where those people had proved themselves quite capable. <sighs> I mean, we all remember Calivar's time aboard this ship and Calivar and his retinue of collaborators uh, definitely steered the captain well for quite some time. And I was as disturbed as everyone else to see that they didn't return from that island. It was a sad day. They are sad more we. But (laughs) Gable has certainly proved a capable fight commander and they, uh... I think would do well to lead other battles based on what L- Wendell has said. And, uh, well, we all know how talented Travis is now. I think it's time that we recognize formally that these people hold important positions on the ship. Now, what would you mean by that? Yes. I, what do you say? We. Well, oui. Oui. Oh, I did not know you two were here. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, we had a meeting without you. <laughs> Just be sure to send me an invite next time. Oh, I send you an no invite. No problem. <laughs> invite. I will send you my invite. That's why I, I, I uh, uh, send my little friend E. He invites you over. He is somehow smaller than the rest. E, one of the six small children that we employ aboard the ship. That's me. <laughs> I'm talking about. 
official positions. Now, Gable, for the past couple of months, has unofficially been filling in as quartermaster. And I think Gable is capable, but uh, I think they make a better helmsman than they do quartermaster. I think you you be wise to not tell Gable that in person. <laughs> I mean, very insulted. Gable wants to uh, get into a conflict with the sh- cook aboard the ship. I don't think it would go too well for them. I don't, I will not get in the middle of it. <laughs> Yar, if we be talking about switching people's titles, I don't think I want to be the HR coordinator for very much longer. <laughs> now, why not? You've been doing a good job. Honestly, it's such a bummer to read all of these negative reports. No one ever comes to me and says, Overboard, I'm having a positive experience this is aboard overboard. this year. <laughs> of course it is. I'm sorry, we couldn't tell when you drink, your voice fluctuates a little bit. <laughs> I just woke up. Overboard, have you read, uh, have you read my report, my benefits uh, request for all of my various diseases? Okay, let's board? not all start announcing our Anonymous requests in front of a public forum to overboard. I just think it would be good if sometimes maybe we had some uh, avocados on the ship. I know they're expensive, so maybe we do... What do you think an HR coordinator does? (laughs) That is most certainly a request either to me, the cook, or to the quartermaster. I don't believe you can. I sent in my my forms for having an onboard relationship three months ago, and I'm trying to bone. Come on. Look, if you send in the wrong form, I can't process it. Well, then tell me I sent in the wrong form, all right? If I sit, if I tell you that you sent in the wrong form, I'm admitting that I processed an incorrect form. Well, then you need to be okay with making a mistake. I don't want to be HR coordinator <laughs> anymore. <laughs> Look, someone needs to tell us where to send these forms because we are all very horny yes. and no one has had any sort of sex. That's right, no one. Especially me. <laughs> It's what? disturbing, <laughs> really. Uh, I, no, no, I, I understand. Maybe, maybe an instinct to want to shift around roles. I, I just don't think we should uh, give people jobs uh, th- th- that are that are beyond their abilities. You know, it takes training to be a quartermaster. It takes familiarity to be a quartermaster. But it mm. also takes talent and skill. Mm-hmm. We've seen that Travis is an exceptional negotiator, and quite frankly, one of the things that a Quartermaster needs to do is deny requests. Uh, is he good at negotiating or is he just flirty? Sometimes uh, they're both two sides of the same coin. Really? Uh, I'm so bad at flirting. I'll never be a negotiator. <laughs> I, again, I respect Gable. I think Gable definitely has earned a forward position on this ship, being a prominent member of the crew, but Gable cares too much. Gable rarely denies requests for food, rarely denies requests for aid. I believe many people have been sent to Dref's care after making a request for medicine from Gable, and they've received medicine that perhaps was not strictly necessary at the time. Stores have dwindled. Well, I think this is a good idea, assuming it does not uh, require any additional rules or knowledge of any systems. It does. It absolutely does. But Travis has proven himself to be someone who can 
pick things up on the fly. And I say that we give him the quartermaster position and he will impress us all in no time flat. I, but it, he certainly doesn't care for responsibility, though. Was that a different guy? Yes, <laughs> it is me, Toku. <laughs> I have been here the whole time. No one ever notices my face. It's too beautiful. We can't look at it. No, thank you. Thank you very much. Is Toku that why you always wear that gorgeous, hood? Gorgeous to cover your gorgeous face? Yes, I, I, am, I am too pretty. I am too pretty. If I, if, if I showed you my entire face, you would all fall in love with me so fast. We would not leave port. Yeah, the HR department would be loaded down with relationship requests. Which is why I only show one eye. <laughs> it's so pretty. And for the record, there's a... Uh... There's a lot of other people that are here that aren't talking. Um, some of us just like to listen. I like to listen, too. I'm here on the roof. I'm a Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, 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 speaking of people that I think uh, need to be recognized or elevated a little bit, uh, Jonnet, I definitely feel... You know, falls into that category. We all saw how he handled himself, uh, you know, moving on those lines. Uh, and he and Travis together got all those, all, all that cargo, you know, and uh, we, we know Travis. Travis doesn't like work that requires him to move things around. Plus, so he started off as a dog then. Hey, the, the, the two of them working together. They, Wait, what? They, are we supposed to know that, in it? Oh, no, wait, never mind, never mind. You know, that hasn't been made clear. Okay, okay, no, 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 no that didn't happen. <laughs> all right. <laughs> He's just ugly as a dog, am I right? Uh, yes, 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 yes. He's dog-like. He's, he is very dog-like. Sometimes he's bird-like. Like, like small, like a bird. Like a ugly bird. <laughs> I'd really like to draw our attention. I feel like we've talked about Travis. We we all know Travis. He's, you know, handsome face in his, uh, you know, sort of cavalier way that he walks around the ship, you know, and the the, the looks that he gives you, he just glances at you and, and you know in that moment he could have you if, if he wanted, but but he doesn't. It's a little too much for us, isn't it? I think you are projecting. Definitely sounds sexual. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, but, but what sort of work would you want, want to give Jonnet? You know, he, he's mastered his knots and things, but uh, I don't... The boy spends most of his time on the front of the ship. What if uh, he sees, he seems to have a knack for, for wanting to see where the ship is going? What if we give him a map? Let him, let him tell us, let him be the one uh, uh, plotting courses, navigating, stargazing. You're saying you want him to be a star watcher? Yes, yes, yes. I feel as though he's he's young. He has much to learn. He's got his wits about him. He could grow into being a very valuable asset. I, I'm sorry, but I have to chime in here. <laughs> he's 15 years old, so if we want to give him an official position, he either needs a work permit or he needs to work 20-hour weeks, which means plenty of breaks. Well, I think this is uh, technically considered a family business, isn't it? What? Oh, are you kidding me? Of course not. No, my, my I dad's mean, we're here. barely an LLC. I had to file us as an S-Corp. <laughs> I definitely think of us as family. I feel like we've grown so close. All right, that's all good, and it's mushy, and it's gushy, but a legal <laughs> definition of a family business is a, a little I'm bit saying different. is I go to this restaurant, <gasps> and every time <laughs> I go, a little boy gives me my menu. He can't be more than four years old. 
Well, every time I, re- I remember we've gone to that place together that uh, that garden uh, and when we are there it feels like we are family yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. look that's I just right, like all the right. breadsticks <laughs> I could eat there for days I mean he has a point uh, uh, you don't want to get in a violation of a, a government statute like that we're already we breaking are, the law we are, we are pirates of the sky we exist above the law if we want to make a 15 year old boy responsible for <laughs> navigating the entire ship then we are free to do so I say forget about it <laughs> Also, uh, if we're going to think about, you know, how old people have to be to work aboard a ship like this, at some point we're going to have to address the fact that almost half of the crew is sick kids. (laughs) Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Yes, we are. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) We're actually actually covered there. Legally, we have them listed as prisoners. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I forgot. You could just make prisoners do whatever work you want. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And John, it does seem to be too important to classify as a prisoner. Well, I will say that John, it is about the age that he could start learning star watching. It's not just a trade that you waltz right into. It takes a lot of time to build up that skill. And so you're saying he could get a learner's permit? <laughs> I, I, I think so. I mean, that sounds more of an HR issue. <laughs> and we're back to you. <laughs> I mean, the learner's permit is easy to come by, but we're also. We're not considering the even bigger picture here. What is that? What is that? The ship already has a Star Watcher. It's made of Spider-Man. <laughs> it's Spider-Man. <laughs> but Spider-Man has been the interim Star Watcher. I mean, Spider-Man spends most of his time up in the netting and the rigging, swinging around. Yeah, it's just more convenient for me to look at the stars. I would like to retire, though. I have a family. And also, I mean, the, the, the navigator before that was definitely one of Calivar's people. So, I, 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 no offense to Spider-Man, but... None taken! I have been calling you Spiderman. <laughs> I did not know that it was Spider-Man. I didn't want to correct you. I was just happy someone was talking to me. Oh, Sp- Spider-Man, please, tell me, tell me. We are, we are crew members. Okay. We are, we are family. That's true. But I am going to leave at this port. <laughs> I didn't know you had family. Give me pictures of those, <laughs> those children, those spider kids. Spider-Man. And while we're on the subject, my name is Nick. Uh, people have been calling me Terry. I don't know why. My name has always been Nick. Thanks, Terry. Well, <laughs> unfortunate. This is why Nick doesn't talk at meetings. It, it wouldn't be bad to have more than one person knowing the navigation trade, especially if we're losing Spiderman. Spider-Man! <laughs> uh, Spider-Man, come talk to me before you leave the ship. We'll talk about your pension and withdrawing. Uh, you're not quite uh, 65 years old yet, so... No, but uh, I have PTO that I would like to pay You out, have please. three years of accrued PTO? <laughs> oh, oh, holy shit! What kind of system are we... Infinite rollover! days. What did I... Oh, back to the old drawing board for overboard. (laughs) I think while you're moving upstairs, like maybe your spine is starting to change a little bit. You really gave it too much time on that one and you burst into the room behind Gable. Oh, Uh, cut that one close. 
Closer, closer, close, close, close. Oh, sure. Crinkle, just... crack. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Just get in here. I'll wait for you to complete. Yes, please give me a moment. Uh, while, while, like, there's this crackling, crackling, the door busts open again, and Jonnet comes in. Like, Jonnet, please, I'm indecent. Oh, and he slams the door. <laughs> Maelstroms are bad. They're told, very bad. I told you. Oh, so... Well, place it on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, please add uh, dog lapping noises into... <laughs> yeah, smash cut to a uh, uh, stark white coyote drinking from uh, a glass on the ground. A There's... drunk coyote. <laughs> no, yeah, he's gonna get drunk because coyotes are only about 40 pounds and that is a drink for an adult human. Mm-hmm. I, and I I think there's very little dignity to this action like travis to, to maintain balance his legs are splayed out in a weird way and he's like really forcing his nose down so he can get up every last bit of this drink we should get bowls <laughs> why haven't we ever gotten bowls are the you gonna way- carry around a bowl with you at all times just at night <laughs> just your night bowl you could wear like a hat oh Yes, let's get you a fun little hat for your my big dog friend and its little bowl hat. <laughs> Why didn't you raise any stakes tonight? Didn't I raise the stakes enough? It's fair. I mean, I that was that was impressive, man. That was crazy. I had no idea that you were sitting on that. Sitting on what? Uh, you were you you could har- you harvested all of spring. That was awesome. Yeah, that's that's Illamat, baby. <laughs> He says, stumbling a little bit. Uh, I think he was like finished with the drink and tried to hop up onto the foot of the bed and like missed the first go because he's definitely got hit by this drink. Mm. I'll tell you who the real fall winner is Sonia. Right? What? No, she lost. Yeah, the fool. She's the fool. Oh, the fool of winter. Yeah. The fool of winter. I thought I heard fool of winter. No, I'm the fool of winter. She's yeah. the fool of winter. Oh, <laughs> Do you want a bowl of water or anything like that? Oh, now we have bowls. No, we don't. <laughs> we don't have bowls. <laughs> we don't have bowls. Just be careful of Dref. He's, I don't, he seems a little sick. He's out. Yeah, like, he's, that's a lot of noise going on, even uh, with the door closed. He's been asleep for quite You know time. those sheep, the goats? What? The goats that when they get startled, they sheep. pass out. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. yeah. I think he's like that, but a man. <laughs> he is very close to a screaming goat. Mm. Mm. Those are funny. Yes, they are. What's your favorite thing a goat screams? Oh, uh, mine's ah! mine's ah! Yeah, that's what, yeah. There's just the straight blood curdling like one note scream. Mm. Yeah, it's that's my ride. I have my Ubers here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, quick question. What for the parlor? Did anyone else get a little freaked out? When Cap was shuffling those cards, what do you mean? He, he really, he really took the stage. It was kind of awesome. John, it Dref hasn't been awake. What? S- Dref hasn't been awake since we first got well, here. I, th- I don't think that. I mean, then the how would who would tell the captain how to do that? Why'd you <laughs> let me let him do that? Why'd you let me let I, him do that? He must have I been awake. He, he, yeah, you can't do I, that I didn't think that he, he just got up on his own. I didn't know what I was going to do. I think I was just going to wait for him to not do anything. But he got up on his own. That was like the most focused I've seen him outside of like combat. That was intense. He 
owned that room like it was his. Things have happened where I think there's something else inside of the captain. Or there's some other force that we are not familiar with. I do not care for this revelation. Okay. What? Okay, so what? Is, is the captain okay or is something wrong? I think we should hope that he's not okay. I'm more worried about Dref. The room is filled with the rhythmic sound of the rocking chair moving back and forth over the creaky old floorboards of the building. You all turn to look at the captain. There's a certain amount of horror that everyone would look at a walking corpse with, but there's newfound wonder in this thing that has been living, or I guess not living, alongside you and your friend for the past six months. And you search it for some sort of clue of another supernatural force that could explain its strange behavior. And of course, it winks. And uh, that's the episode, yeah. folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mummy, Hachi, Machi. Hi, everyone. Huh. Yeah, uh, Spit is sick or tired or Thank whatever. God. He he sent me to read the letter today. Thank the Lord. Yeah. Well, I, I, I uh, could attend to him if he is um, indisposed. Yeah, he said it was definitely the kind of sick that Dref couldn't help and to keep you as far away from him as possible. Well, if I know Spit, then it's probably sexual. <laughs> Oh, he's embarrassed. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't yeah. be. We all know. Yeah, we we all know. But it it is true. There's nothing I can do to help him. No, I I do have the letter here, so I figure you know, in lieu of spit, we just got to do this dry. Yes. So sure. Oh. Ugh. Do you need anyone to um, hmm? help help you read read the read the letter? No, I can read. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't. I wasn't saying Yeah, no, no, no. Great, great thing for you to assume. I would, no. Just because I have huge muscles that I can't read. Uh, mm, I, I didn't mean to offend you. Do you what did you, you mean to do? I just uh, embarrass you, I guess. Can you I go guess? get Slam instead? Can you go get him, please? No, Slam definitely can't There's read. There's no way that Slam <laughs> can <laughs> read. Oh, oh, so I'm... But, oh, but would I make... It as, as, um, oh, I see um, how it... Slam's eyelid muscles are physically <laughs> too huge for him to open them enough to read letters. That's why he cries yes. all the time. Yeah. It's a lot of pain. But Just, the, the yeah. sad thing is when he cries, again, his eyes are closed too tight for the tears to escape. So they just fill up with tears inside. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he can use his eye muscles to squirt out the tears, and it'll actually cause, like, physical pain to someone if those tears hit you with just such force. Yeah, I sent a drawing of that and sold it. Anyway. These are real physical properties of a human. (laughs) Well, you're a doctor. You would know. Yes, I know. That's why I said it. I can read. Dear Captain. 
Dear Captain, mm -hmm. are you plagued by sky barnacles? Are you constantly losing crew overboard, trying to remove uh, cliff swallow nests from fouling your rudder and machinery? Do you keelhaul unruly skyjacks only to find them grievously wounded by growths of cloud coral instead of merely terrified and subdued by their brush with the void? I'm working with other ships of a similar class and rate. Uh, we at Hempel and Sons Paint have found the ideal formulation of aeronautical anti-fouling paint to prevent unsightly performance-hindering buildups of airborne organisms, large and small. We also have the most competitive prices of all shipyards from T-Shirt. If you come to our offices with this letter within the next six months after receipt, we can guarantee an additional 15% off any associated labor costs. See you soon. Sincerely, Janice Hempel IV of Hempel & Sons Paint, 17 Painters Way, The Shipyards, to shirt 10287. How did they get our address? Sounds well, I'm like not sure, but... Wonderful deal. If if there's one thing that I know, it's a grift when I see one. Well, obviously. You can't grift a grifter, and I'll tell you what, this is no grift. It's not a grift? It's not a grift? It well, sounds well, from Well, our ship has not been affected by any of the multitude of different things that they listed in that letter. Well, probably, it is just a matter of time. Probably because I've already gotten the, the, the paint before, oh, yes. uh, and that is probably how they got our address is because oh, we are a customer. They're on a, we're, we're on their list? I thought you unsubscribed. I mean, you can unsubscribe all you want, but once you get one of those catalogs, you're getting a mailer till you die. I'm so upset. I, quite honestly, all of the things that they described sound so horrible, even though I have never experienced them, nor do I know anyone who ever has, that we should take immediate action to do some preventative maintenance on the ship. That's well, how again, they get you. That's how they get you. That's how the grift works. They make you scared, and then oh, you get paid that you don't Oh, I think this is not a grift? Uh, Travis mentioned this was no I grift. Yes, mean. this is not a grift. And like I said, we've already done this. Yes. So... I believe this, is, this if, is not new territory. No, if anything, we've received this this uh, information in error because we're already. I mean, we pay for their subscription service. How long, they come. How long was our liability on that? What did do you it? Mean? Did they say that it was going to last five years, and then all of a sudden, oh, we have a great deal a year later. You should really get this done. Well, no, it lasts for five years, but we get it updated. We get a new coat every six months, just just in case. And the thing is, it pays for itself. Mm -hmm. Does it? How? If we don't get it in six months. It would be 15% more expensive in a year. So every six months, we're saving 15%, you see. I don't think so. If I you think compound just... that over the course of five years, uh, 15, we save 150%. But what if we paid zero? If we paid zero, then, then our be... boat would be covered with sky barnacles That's, or whatever. I've never seen a sky barnacle. Because we've got the paint. <laughs> I don't. I. I. I think. I don't understand how you don't understand this. It's what, a self-fulfilling prophecy, but in a good is, way. I, Gable, I, I'm sorry. Do you represent some sort of competing painting business that might be able to offer a better deal? If that's the case, I'd love to hear I'd it. I'd love to hear. As it. Yeah, sell us your paint. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I don't work for any paint companies, but I do have 
a really wonderful uh, Holzman that I really think I'm going to get him on the on the the Sky phone if uh, real we quickly. We We're really to... stretching the limits in this setting to their maximum, aren't we? I mean, but uh, if you must use the Sky phone, remember that all calls are long distance, and the carrier charges a premium rate for those calls. The carrier uh, well, pigeon charges. Yes. Un- unless you, of course, dial uh, ten ten to twenty before you. Place I the call. Pity, of course I do. Of uh, course I do. The, the f- fool who does not dial Tintin to twenty before placing a collect call. Well, a actually, pigeon. what I do with collect calls is that I, I kind of cheat it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever they say they ask for my name, I put the message inside the name. Could you give us an example? I can't <laughs> oh, for, picture uh, that. Uh, say I would maybe have... something classic and iconic. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I, oh, I don't know. Uh, uh, perhaps uh, say I were to have a child. Yes. I can't okay. physically cannot. Absolutely. Uh, uh, do I have sexual organs? Who knows? Uh, but if I were to have a child and I wanted to tell a perhaps a distant relative that yes. uh, it, the gender of the child, gender is a construct, but still, uh, perhaps I would say. When that doesn't really apply to you. Uh, 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 I'm perhaps I I, should, I would say uh, we. Out a baby, it's a boy as my last name, so they could say we had a baby, it's a boy, oh, they would, and oh, oh. they would say it's Bob. He uh, had a baby, it's a boy. Yes, that's what he would say. <laughs> that's how. Now I that's a clever grift. That's a very that clever grift. We got to get on that grift. But that's an example of a grift. And now that I know that you are a grifter, I do not trust your opinion on matters but, of grift. So no, I will, no. re- I will uh, go with Travis in no, this. But this is a grift. That this is not a grift, and this is a sound business investment. <sighs> uh, I would also like to buy one for my personal use as well. Wonderful. Yeah. And and you know, speaking of upgrades to the ship, uh, I did. Read the newspaper. The weather report in the newspaper did say tomorrow will be hot. Oh, oh really? Okay. Yes, uh, just like just like yesterday. Just like yesterday. Just like yesterday. Uh, uh, you Please know, you tell me you did something about this. Well, yes. What hang on, hang on. To really get all this to pan out while you guys are talking about this, I'm going to call some Sears. <laughs> <laughs> Great. We're done. <laughs> Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter at Tyler A. Dave, on Mainstage with Second City, or at IO with Devil's Daughter. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or at Comedy Sports Chicago with the One Woman No Show. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcast, Dilettante Ball. Dref Wormwood was played by John Patrick Cohen, who can be found on Twitter at JPSoFly, on stage at IO with Devil's Daughter, or on his podcast, Hey Riddle Riddle. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this production was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find Arnie on Twitter at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. And you can find more of his work at ATPTunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, spelled C-A-S-E-Y-P-O-N-E-Y, or on his own podcast, Neoscum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and the card game Illimat, property of Together Studios. The role-playing game used for this production is a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system published by Fantasy Flight Games. There are no kings.
take flight, heroes. Health to the strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends near to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky. I think that's it. <laughs> Did we write down all of those people? Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote down Toku equals T'Challa. <laughs> <laughs> Overboard, Pete, Sorry. a.k.a. Terry. I like Pete Terry. I'm Nick. sad that we're losing Terry? Spider-Man. Nick, Nick, Nick is Terry. Spider-Man's not sustainable because he's actually part spider. And he's <laughs> I would have loved just like little, little vignettes of just like, it's like a wide shot of the ship and then you just see a... Mm-hmm. <laughs> thwip, thwip. Oh, it's coming out of his butt. He's, he's <laughs> webbing from his butt. <laughs>